0: plus. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes. Enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius.
2: Welcome, it is your weekend Managing Madrid podcast. Um, this is your host, Gabe Lesra, and I'm here um, to break down a very, very dispiriting Real Madrid performance. I'm joined by Kian Sobani. Kian, how's it going?
3: I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Some oh, that's good. Had time to mull it over, think it over, step away. I, you know, I, I watched the the right after I watched a bar and then I watched my right after and then and I, the whole time I was just thinking about arguing like I couldn't even focus. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's been my day and uh, Omar been. Om, um, <laughs> how are you coping? What's your self care? Uh,
4: regimen. I mean, I've kind of had to put my emotions aside because I'm writing a tactical review for outside of the boot for the first time in a long while. I mean, I had to choose this match, right? Like to like, write one in like two two months, um, and like, well, I sent them the email, so there's no backing out after I saw the result. And so I rewatched the entire match, and so God, that was painful. And like, I'm doing video editing right now, um, so like I'm halfway through the process. So like I haven't really had time to be, you know, angry or anything. I mean, I had a little bit. I went on Twitter and I ranted a bit, but really it's just been trying to analyze this match objectively
2: yeah i mean i'm i'm excited to go down that path with you during this podcast because literally like that if that's true then this is when you're talking about it right now is going to be the first time that you get to actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> deal, deal with it of course we're talking about um real madrid's shock uh defeat today at the hands of uh girona 2-1 um and uh <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean like obviously we have tons to say But like I mean where do you start with something like this This is a catastrophe um, For Madrid in the weekend where Barcelona Won in a tough matchup Against um, Athletic Bilbao and, and Madrid is at 8 points And they've never You know I saw a stat floating around today That Madrid has never come back from 8 points down To win La Liga I mm. also note that I, I doubt that Madrid has been 8 points down in October Before <laughs> like I don't like maybe, but you know, the, normally, like if you go to an eight-point deficit in December, it's different. But you know, that's yeah. very little comfort after this dispiriting ass game.
3: It is crazy. Like, to some, it, it was just bad. It was bad. It was, it's not even just that we lost and we got unlucky. Like, Jerome <laughs> fully deserved it. We we were a mess trying to cope with everything they were throwing at us. Like, high up the pitch with their press and their ability to just throw us off guard and, and it, it was just, you know, it, what's sh- most shocking to me is that this team two months ago looked like it could do no wrong. Yeah. And every single one of those fundamental things that it was so good at, like breaking a press yeah. and, and pressing cohesively you know, themselves, it's, it's as if like that has abandoned them completely. Like, there's a lot there. Like, we can kind of discuss and break it down why, but it it's shocking to me that we even have to talk about it because it it was it was at such an elite level just a few months ago,
2: yeah, I mean, you noted that um on Twitter a, a couple of times like because you know you you watch this match and it's just the errors that they were making in all parts of the pitch are fundamental and low <laughs> like it's it's low execution value errors, stuff like you know just. Marcelo in the first half passing the ball to the other team over and over again, and or like losing the ball generally in dangerous positions on the pitch. I mean, the Abar goals didn't exactly come from that, but they absolutely could have, and Abar could have scored, you know, four against Madrid today, and it just it was shocking. It was it was it was the kind of errors that, that the team that the players that are much better than that, right? Like Luka Modric was giving up balls all over the pitch. It was. Just shocking to watch him struggle like like that. And there's not a good explanation for it. I don't think, unless oh, you've got some nuance tactically, but I just don't I don't see anything wa- like why there would be a tactical nuance that can explain fucking Marcelo <laughs> passing the ball to the other team at fucking midfield. Like there's no one around you and you just lay off the shit pass. I mean, like, I don't see a tactical uh, uh, issue there. It's just an execution one.
4: I mean, yeah, so there's definitely that. Um, like, I do have some tactical things to say, but it's worth acknowledging that, you know, even even if there was no tactics, like, from Hirona at all, it, we would have been giving the ball away anyway, um, all other things being equal. So it it just feels like that ever since we won the Super Cup and we felt like, you know, we're on top of the world with we're, we're the defending champions of, of, of this many trophies... There's just been this sense of complacency and in that we just can't lose, right? Like this this feeling of invincibility that we just go into a match and we're going to trounce any opponent because we're the two-time defending European champions. And I think also the amount of times we came back um, from a deficit or from a draw and went on to win the game or went on to equalize, I think that also has harmed our mentality a little bit because... When we went one 0 up, it you you would have thought we were five 0 up. It, it yeah. was just it was just horrible. And the and the way we just lax we, it was just so lax. We just gave up the game within four minutes. Four minutes Hirona scored two goals and the defending on those goals were just horrible. Like it's just individual errors and there's there's no excuse for that. And
2: and it's it's errors not just of like technical execution, but yeah. also of Literally just wanting it and like getting back. like the, the especially on that second goal, you know, the 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 rebound that the ball took to uh, the guy who who hammered it in um the pass. Uh, there were people who could have gotten and covered him, but instead, there was kind of like this lax jogging and that allowed for that play. And it is absolutely inexcusable. and on on the other goal, like, Obviously, it was very beautiful and well executed by Hirona, But, like there also was like a number of different things where, for example, Nacho, like, instead of kicking the ball hard when it bounces off of him, he he just kind of taps it trying to get it away from him. I mean, like, it's just these lack there's kind of this lack of basic footballing uh, energy, basic footballing mentality that was in these that was in the game today that was. Fucking unex- inexplicable. Like, I can't understand where these guys' mentality, where their heads were going into this match. Like, we, Kian, we talked on Wednesday about how this, was or Thursday, about how this was going to be a really tough match because of, among other things, all the really amped up political stuff that's going on in Spain. And the the uh, the stadium was full of people just roaring. Like, they wanted Madrid's head. And, like, if they can't get up for that game, like, what are they getting up for? I yeah, just, and,
4: I don't. I don't understand. And right, like after after we conceded as well, I mean there was some urgency, right? We we picked it up a little bit, but it was nothing like last season. We were just desperately trying to get a goal because again, I feel like we have we have this attitude that oh, we're always gonna come back because last season we did it, so goals are just gonna come. And like Lucas Vasquez, who's been such a reliable super sub in the past two seasons, he was running the ball out of play. He couldn't cross the ball properly. <laughs> same same for Asensio. And then tactically, so so now moving to the tactical side, um, I think Hirona did things that kind of capitalized on all of this. So they pressed very well. They counter-pressed very well. So th- their structure was very sound. They applied pressure in all the right areas, and they were, they were very consistent in doing that, apart from a couple occasions, including our goal. And that combined with our lethargy and our inability to string passes together, it, it was just a disaster for us defensively. So, you know... Looking at it that way, it isn't a it isn't a surprise to to see the scoreline as it was.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, unforced giveaways, and we're talking about players like Modric, um, who his passing accuracy was you know below his season average today, but it you could tell like you know there, there were there were moments where there was no one around and he would give the ball away and it was uncharacteristic of him, and I had noted in the nineteenth minute. That up until that point, Real Madrid had given the, way, the ball away four times out of their, their backline just because of Julen's press. Um, and by the 22nd minute, they had already added three more giveaways in the span of three minutes, and it was just snowballing. And I'm, I'm not sure what it was. Um, like even, even Ohm talked a bit about the counter press too. Like there was that one play where Isco had this beautiful roulette. Um, I think it was like just Benzema was in in the box, and he there was some shots for handball, but it wasn't a handball. And then he passed it to Isco. Isco did this really nice roulette coming out of the back. I'm sure you remember. Um, and then obviously, like that's all that's all that happened. Like it didn't go further than that because he was closed down by three or four players. And everyone was like, "Oh my god, Isco's roulette!" And the commentators kept showing. I was like, "What are you guys really really talking about here?" The reason. Isco couldn't go any farther was because he was, he was just completely swarmed. Um, yeah. And, and I thought Isco uh, was probably our, our most press-resistant player in this game, but he couldn't... Like, amazing play from Isco, but really the context of that was that he just couldn't escape it, and there was a reason for that. He was getting swarmed, there were no outlets, and Girona did this really well. You know what's... I know you want to jump in. um, Just one... Just like... That's fine, it's fine. I think it's interesting is that... You know... A lot of people were saying, you know, if, if, if teams were smart, they would watch Kiki Setien's blueprint and how Betis wanted to burn a bow, and they defended, and they, they took advantage late in the game. It's interesting that Gennaro didn't win that way at all today. They completely, like, turned that upside down and, and pressed high and left a lot of open space in behind their midfield, which theoretically would be suicidal against a team with Isco and Modric and all these players. Um, but Real Madrid rarely ever took advantage of that. Like, I think they, on the goal, obviously, there was a great counterattack leading to East, to, uh, East Coast's goal. Apart from that, they just couldn't take advantage. And, you know, for all the, you know, last season we were talking about, oh, it doesn't matter what you throw at Real Madrid, Zidane has a plan for it. Um, and I don't know, I think this one may have caught him by surprise, to be honest. Yeah,
4: and speaking of of how we handle presses, right? Like, we're used to seeing, because the way Girona pressed is, like, they, they were in a 5-4-1, and their wingers moved up with the striker, and they were narrow. So they were kind of pressing in, like, a 4-3-3, and their fullbacks were man-marking our fullbacks, and their central midfielders were, were man-marking our central midfielders. And we had four. Four central midfielders versus three of theirs. And so what we usually do, right, is you just see this really intense, fast, just everyone comes deep in are interchanging positions. We've got these passing triangles, whereas today it was like one player coming to aid um, Kroos, who is deep in possession, or the center back's in possession. So Hirona could, like, they could man-mark that player and protect all the guys who, who, who are sitting up the pitch. So instead of having that really fantastic deep movement with everyone interchanging and just completely twisting the man-marking scheme inside-out, our, our movement was lethargic and that's something i'm not used to seeing even on days when we don't play that well because that's something that i consider considered to be so natural for us so the fact that that wasn't there was a concern mm-hmm. and and Hirona was also like they were um implementing tactical fouling right so um you talked about isco's roulette i think he was stopped because he was fouled um and that that happened throughout the game and we there were fans who were really frustrated, asking for yellow cards and stuff. But they were all kind of like small fouls where you you could sort of get away with, it and you could be like, "All right, I see how that is in a yellow card." And I thought they implemented that very well because there were several times where just our individual ability, we broke past a play and we're like, "Okay, we're going to break through now." And they just they just like I don't they held onto their arm or, or they pushed them a little bit and they fell down. So there was a little bit of that dirty side of the yeah. game, but we see a lot of teams employ that. And I think Hirona kind of told the line there very well.
2: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's almost easier to talk about like this, this is one of those things that another thing that Hirona did, right. They had to do a lot of things, right. To have this result. um, And uh, you know, that that's one of them. So is, you know, being lethal when they, when they got their opportunities and even on top of, I mean, like, I think it's, hard for me to not like give them credit for goals when you know they you're for a lucky goal like in that in the in their second one when they hit the post twice in not just accidental ways but like in ways where like they were extremely unlucky not to score both of the ones that hit the post in the first half those goals the ball didn't even hit like the the outside of the post it wasn't like this kind of classic post shot where not really a great shot but both of those were just crazy good plays by Gerona in the first half to, you know, to bounce off the post. It was the kind of thing where going into that halftime, it didn't feel like Madrid deserved to be one nil up. It didn't even feel like Madrid deserved to be, you know, tied. It, It was one of those matches where it felt very much like this side, you know, didn't, was getting played off the pitch, but was, you know, it's almost like Madrid was the, the underdog side who had kind of snagged a lucky goal and was actually getting played off the pitch. It actually felt like this really weird reversal where <laughs> Madrid was actually like Betis and uh Girona were just like Real Madrid actually outplaying and hitting the post and getting super unlucky. I, it's it's infuriating me because it's almost easier to talk about what Madrid did right in this match than it is to talk about what Madrid did wrong because it did so much wrong and you know just just to try to focus on some of the good parts like Obviously, I think Isco and Baran were both highlights. I thought Benzema in the first half was a highlight, um, and that is the end of the list for me. I didn't see anything else that I
3: liked. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Like I even like, I think Oll mentioned Kroos, and it, it dawned on me I don't have a single note on him, and I just think it's because I don't know where he was. Like he was, he wasn't as, he wasn't as dominant in this game. He wasn't really, you know influencing the game in, in any particular meaningful direction I agree with Isco and I agree with Varan. you know the thing with varan too is obviously he was not going to prevent you know Girona hitting the post or anything and which eventually Girona started scoring those great chances they had him losing him was was to me a really big deal like huge I think I think he would have you know nacho has been great I don't, I don't know maybe he would have at least thrown Stuani off a bit and, and Pons also leading up to that play was really good. um, And and Gabe, you mentioned it was Maffeo in the second half that no one pick, picked him up. And I think it was Cruz and some other players were jogging back, you know, and could have closed down Maffeo and, and that eventually led to the goal, which was offside, but that isn't really in the context of this. It doesn't excuse what, what Real Madrid were doing defensively. And Varane, like, up until he had left in the half, he had more successful tackles in that half alone than anyone else did the entire game for Real Madrid. Um, and-
2: yeah, Baran was was imperial. Like he was huge, and he was huge time after time in preventing, you know, a real clear goal scoring chance. Like it's the kind of thing where, like, it doesn't show up on the expected goals chart because of the 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 tackle that Baran put in. But if someone misses that tackle suddenly it's a it's a huge goal scoring opportunity, just like the Stewani second the first goal. Like if you know Nacho like makes the tackle when he actually does get his foot to the ball, it's a totally different chance, right? Like, and it's just <laughs> it obviously was crippling, but like it shouldn't be such a lift for this defense. And i uh, I don't want to like call out, but I thought Sergio Ramos had a really bad game. I didn't feel comfortable with Kiko Casilla either. I mean, there's there's a difference between him and Kaler. And then, I mean, he my man, a Ashraf, you know, just just not not was not at the level. At least, I did not. This was his worst game for me so far. I, especially, I thought on the offensive end where the wingbacks were required to do so much on this team, and you know, he <laughs> just he just brought essentially nothing. He was getting closed down every five seconds, like he you know, would run the ball out of bounds like Lucas Vazquez. I mean, it just, maybe it's just that whoever was playing left back for uh, for Girona was great, but I think really it's that Ashraf and Lucas Vazquez both had really bad games.
4: Yeah, and I mean, Ashraf's like only 18, right? Like, when, when Danilo was sold, I mean, a lot of people were happy, right? Because Danilo was a really, really unpopular player at Madrid for a variety of reasons. Some of it unfair, some of it fair. Um, I was concerned because... I, I was wondering, well, who's going to come in and replace him? And a lot of guys are like, Ashraf, Ashraf. And why I always believed Ashraf was good. It, it, there's always been this question, you know, he's 18. Um, is he ready to start for Real Madrid in case Carvajal goes out? Um, Which you know, is not he, like an
2: inc- inc- like insane <laughs> idea. Carvajal has had injuries in the past. so like- Yeah, and
4: it, it's happening now, right? Like, And... Also, if Carvajal off form, which he was this season, can Ashraf step in and compete? And you know, I, I think he's done okay up to this point. But this was like a typically tough La Liga game. It was tense. It was tactical. It was fast, and you can see Ashraf was just a little off the pace. He was like, "Whoa, this guy's pressing me, and he, he'll he'll just give the ball away." Like go, when I was going through the match, and I was like, you know, taking clips for like Girona's press. There's a there's one that shows just Ashraf just giving away the ball away horribly because he just kind of gets freaked out by, like, three guys surrounding him. And there's a a difference between playing with Castilla and Real Madrid. And I just think that it was a mistake not to sign another right-back or sell Danilo in the first place and just kind of throw Ashraf into the spotlight. I mean,
2: especially, right, considering how good Odriozola has been so far at at this season for Real, like, that is, I, I mean, like, he is, bringing a huge amount offensively too so i just i don't know i think that that the progression of this other really talented young spanish right back that everyone was linking with madrid is just kind of another knock on the the kind of poor transfer season that madrid had
3: yeah i think um the Astro, the whole the whole right back situation was, was to me one of the more underrated things of the off season. You know, we all everybody talks about like even if you look at the, the mentions on Twitter. Like when we put out a couple of questions for this podcast, it was it was all about Morata and Khamez and all. And you know, like barely anyone talked about the right back situation because I was surprised about the whole thing. But when we so- sold Danilo, I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, it probably won't be astronomically hard to, to sign a decent right back for Carvajal that could be that could provide what Danilo brought to the table and more. Um, and then I did get nervous. You know, closer to the season when we didn't sign anyone for that position because you know, this is coming from someone who watched Ashraf almost every week for Castilla last season. I thought he was really good, I, 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 in no way did I think he was ready. And, um, but then I gave you know, I essentially gave Zidane the benefit of the doubt because it was Zidane, and you know, if if he saw something in Ashraf and he thinks it, but I don't understand why he doesn't get a stepping stone the way Llorente did and the way. Did. I I don't yeah. I don't I don't see the rush. Why is why was there a rush to bring him in now? Like you could have delayed this for if you wanted to. Literally, you could have delayed it for at least three years. It 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 just seems so rushed to me. I I didn't get it. And I you know Gabe, you're right. He was a black hole offensively, to be to be blunt. He and he's been a black hole pretty much every time. We all understand his pace is amazing. He gets forward. He, he can go from right back to right striker in, like, record time. But when he gets there, I, ha- I still haven't seen... I think since the Tottenham game, I think I've seen a total of two dangerous crosses that he's put in. And I think him and Teo are like, ones that still really don't understand the difference between a cutback and a cross and a weighted pass and, the, you know, what to do. They just kind of hit it in. And, and, you know, there was a lot of criticism about the subs... I was kind of scratching my head trying to figure it out. I kind of got the Lucas one. Like, we know Lucas comes in every game, but I kind of got it in this context because we don't have Danny and Zidane and Zidane probably just wanted to bring an extra something from the right flank that Ashraf wasn't bringing. But it just... There was probably other ways to do it. But, you know... And
2: the Marcelo... I mean, look, the Marcelo one, he hadn't been great, but he was actually growing into the game, I thought. And, like... (laughs) his issues were more in this kind of clearly unfocused, but you felt that he was getting more focused and like I said, growing into the game a little bit in the next, uh, you know, when, when Madrid went to one down, which is infuriating by itself, but like, it's also not the moment to take him off. And then, you know, you're trying to figure out who to bring on for Asensio. And I, I mean, I don't know what the answer is there. Like you obviously need to get Asensio on into the pitch, but like, if, I don't know who the, what the answer is, but I, I don't know if the answer is taking off Marcelo, who, is the kind of person who can kind of create a dynamic moment who isn't, you know, going to be someone who is going to be obviously marked. Like that's one of his big um, advantages that he brings to an attacking band in that, you know, he, he kind of overloads uh, a defense and, and can kind of run at people in a way that you really don't get from someone in that position. And like, I just, He's been in the past Marcelo a a spark and a and a force at the end of these games. I, I wouldn't have taken him off. That that was tough for me. And I was really critical of his performance and I think you should be. I just I still wouldn't have taken him off just because of he's so special as an attacking player. And I don't know where you bring in Asensio, I don't know who you take him on for, but he, he should come on. But I just don't know whether Marcelo is the right person to take off.
4: I mean like I, I, I don't know like how accurate this I saw some people on Twitter say that Marcelo wasn't like physically 100%, so that might have been why, um, but I really have no idea whether that's true or not. Um, what concerned me more was the, sh- the shape it put us in because Casemiro went back, right? And it was a back three, and Casemiro was like our central defender. And two things, right? Like Casemiro's worst ever game came when he played in that position, and also, I don't think we've ever looked convincing in a five-three-two or three-five-two, however you want to say it. Um, it and that's yeah. the shape. That's the shape we went for, right? And I knew the second we were doing that, right? We were gonna. We were looking to cross, but we'd also lose any any access to the center. We wouldn't attempt to go through the center at all, and it would just be getting Lucas and Asensio forward and out wide and asking them to put crosses in I was just like well we've looked uninspiring today and we have Marcelo arguably our best crosser off so I, I really don't think this was gonna this is gonna work and I we didn't really create any dangerous chances from from those substitutions so that whole formation change and and putting those players on in the positions that Zidane did didn't make sense to me at
3: all when when that sub was made I thought to myself, I think maffeo is probably looking at it and probably licking his lips because up until that point he was having a great game on the right flank, and he's. We all know how talented he is, and the fact that he was looking at, a, a, an entire flank, of Asensio and Casemiro. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Asensio is not like a traditional wing back. Like you could, like a Conte could just put him there as a left wing back, or you could put him in a, a three five two or a. You know, he's he's gonna play high at the pitch, and he has no interest in defending. Like it's not like you're putting Bale there, who can who can get back and play as a two way, you know, left wing back of sorts. Asensio was gonna play high at the pitch, so obviously Casemiro was gonna be spread thin. I don't, you know, it's not like Girón necessarily punished us for that, but that I was just looking at. You know, you know, obviously shades of Celta, like all mentioned, like one of Casemiro's worst games ever. Um, I. I know we you know we've talked about this before, but in a in a scheme where you you're you're facing a scheme that is locked and you can't get through Sabios is like a prudent player in these situations and I yeah. and I still don't get why we don't see him
2: it's, that it's is,
4: like, uh, I mean go ahead home I'm sorry that's
2: exactly I, what I want like what I was gonna say also
4: yeah, I mean it's like it's like we're panicking, right like because it's like Zidane tries all these things, right? He tries to play more progressive-style football. He tries to penetrate through the center. We try to attack in this balanced way. And then when the chips are down, it's like, all right, well, we just we just need to go and start crossing as much as possible. Not not have faith in that sort of plan. Because really, most people I was talking to on Twitter and, and what we're talking about not right now, right, is that you bring Ceballos on and he, he he's the guy that can unlock um plays for Real Madrid and it will likely come through the center but it's almost like we just panic and Zidane says well let's just go to the thing that this team knows best and that I know best and just you know we, we pray and hope it works out and I think we've gotten to the point where we can really move beyond that now I and also where I think teams are like yeah I think we know what Real Madrid is going to do if they're a goal down and it's the 75th minute um, we, we need to start throwing you know other things at opponents so we we can continue to stay effective late in games
2: it's also a really questionable strategy when your second best uh aerial player and arguably your best your second best or best crosser right is <laughs> not playing because he's injured right like bail mm-hmm. is if you're gonna do this at least have your like you know six two jumping like <laughs> freak show guy uh, next to your other six foot two jumping freak show guy <laughs> like B- bail and ronaldo ec- occupy so much you know uh, of the opposition's resources when you're defending a cross that that's why other players get in and they score like this is but but in these games <laughs> like who's gonna get on the end of this cross from from asensio fucking like five foot seven isco no he's not <laughs> or like, right we're like modric at like five five like this is like trying to like as if the Pep Barça like went to crossing mentality like yeah they did score from crosses but they were all tiny and like they couldn't score from crosses against a team with a big defensive line like Real Madrid and there were a number of big defenders on on uh, on Girona today just like there are on a lot of teams like Madrid against Tottenham when they were looking for that goal at the end of that match like I was among many people who were noting how big Tottenham's entire team is and like they're not gonna allow an obvious goal from across and I will note also though guys that Ronaldo had a goal <laughs> he should have scored he got a free header in the middle of the box like no one was on him and he couldn't put it away so that brings me to another point which is that on top of all the issues that we've mentioned the fact that the you know that that the superstar players that are really supposed to step up in these circumstances choked and have been choking all throughout the beginning of the season is not a good omen.
4: <laughs> I mean, I, I, I agree with that sentiment, but I don't know how easy that chance really was because of the distance Ronaldo was from goal and the the angle it was arriving, right? Because like it was I, I don't know how you generate a lot of power. I mean, I understand how he'd redirect the cross better, but I don't know if he could generate enough power to really beat the keeper. I think it would have had to have been a really good header. Um, but having said that, it, clearly finishing has been a problem this season, and it has been a problem from, you know, for Ronaldo, Benzema, and and other players, and that's been a concern. Um, but this match, and I kind of was like trying to shoe, shoehorn this in somewhere. Is that the reasons we lost this match was sort of different from the reasons we weren't doing well in previous La Liga matches? It wasn't that we were creating a lot,
2: yeah, and yeah.
4: we were missing chances, and you know, our defense was okay. This was our defense was disastrous. We created an okay amount where maybe we could have scored more, but w- it, this time it was really the defensive side that cost us.
2: Yeah, I agree. No, I mean, like obviously, like that's absolutely true, right? Like, of course. I mean, and and I don't, I I'm not, I wasn't trying to point out like that this was the same as other matches. I think that I was saying, and a lot of you know a lot of us have been saying that this was a match where like you just can't really, you know, we ohm and kian we've talked before about how like this team after these kind of disappointing results we say all the time like look like the eye test doesn't line up with the results the numbers from expected goals yeah. don't line up with the result in this case the eye test does line up with the results and madrid the numbers looked the bad, numbers
4: do as well and yeah
2: the, the numbers bear that out as well so like this is a game where madrid deservedly lost to a team that outplayed them and out hustled them and outcreated and that is inexcusable. <laughs> it is. It just is inexcusable for a team that is uh, as 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 good as Real Madrid is. I'm not going to say as expensive or as, as well talented, but literally they're good individually. But they're also we know for a fact that they're good as a team. So like, th- it's just inexcusable, and it feels to me like yeah, there were tactical issues, but it's also like Casemiro, Kroos, and Modric. Lost forty-one balls in this game. That is an unexcusable number for those three players. It's crucial that they do not do anything like that if they're going to win any games against anyone in this league.
3: You know, like I, I wonder if we have the sample size now to to make the claims. Like, I think we, we kind of do. It's weird. Like this is our this was our best available eleven. It's is, I think, like two players different, cassia and Ashraf. From the the one that steamrolled Juventus in the final. Um, I'm not sure what it's what is going on. Like we see all these eye testings, we see the stats, and yet you just have to figure it's mental because there's no way that all these players just kind of lost their way in such a short amount of time. Um, right. It's, it's, it's no, I mean, something like that, is it, off, and I just tweeted that. Like just literally, something is off, and I don't know what it is.
2: Well and that's the thing like I know like a lot of people are t- going to tune into this show for us to tell you what Madrid needs to do to fix it but like that is there is not a one fit, size fits all solution to this there's not a player that you can just bring in that'll fix all of this it's not named Lionel Messi or Neymar like there just isn't right like a one size fits all solution to this problem so like it's it's going to require a team based solution that, that sees Madrid improve on a number of areas and crucially improve mentally. Like, that is the crucial area, in at least when you look at this match. Like, I actually was saying, like, Previously, like I said, previously, I didn't see huge areas of concern. Like Obviously, there was a little bit of concern from, as Owen pointed out, you pointed out, from minute 75 on, if Madrid is trailing or tied, you kind of know what they're going to look like. That predictability is bad. There needs to be a way to fix that. But other than that, before this game, I didn't see anything that was obviously an issue. This game has presented just a whole host Mm -hmm. of issues that need to be fixed. All of them need to be fixed if the team is going to be competitive because right now the team isn't competitive it's not at the top of uh it's not at the top of its game but it's also not like it's not any way would we consider this team a team that could go into uh Paris and beat PSG right now i don't think that's true
4: yeah i mean it's like because up until this point we'd kind of identified like thematic problems that ran throughout after the super cup through all the games and we're like well if you fix this this and this we should be okay. And it was mainly about you know, some tactical things, the finishing, just cleaning up our defending, like very fixable things and that you're like, in time this will come. But this match has just like screwed all of that up because it's, like you said, presented a whole host of new problems. And Sedan's going to have to sit down and he might have had a clear plan on how to fix this and now he's going to sit down. Now, I wouldn't blame him for being a little confused now uh, about how to move forward because this this game was just... So different from any any of the games I've seen us play this season, and it's it, you know I tell our listeners it's okay to sort of be at a loss for words here because ha, ha, because all the problems that we had now are are completely different from the problems we had before. It's like everything flipped on its head. So if yeah. we're having problems everywhere, it's just well I don't know <laughs> I don't know how to solve this. Like does anyone know how to solve this? It we just got to see how it plays out.
2: Yeah. And I mean, that is simply, that's it. And, and we have to, so, and we're going to get to your question shortly, but I would also note that there is other than today, sort of, there's no reason to believe or yet to have a panic attack about Zidane's ability to fix this. I think because uh, it, one of the big problems that Madrid has had historically has been having a quick trigger finger, Um, And and having a quick panic trigger with when it comes to coaches. Mm -hmm. I think that that is an issue So like to the people who are already You know saying and who let's be clear the same the same people that are emailing us or tweeting at us or whatever Saying Zidane out all this stuff are the same people that were tweeting us saying Zidane out after every Mediocre result so far this season when we were saying we don't we actually think the team's okay, so now that we're saying the team's not OK, like these people are going to get only louder. And I think it's important to to remind everyone that the in previous seasons, we've seen Madrid have terrible results and, and have horrible uh, make horrible decisions based on based on this kind of twi- quick trigger finger and, and disregarding and, and, and kind of distancing themselves from long term projects based on, you know, one or two matches. And that's not at all, in my view, the correct way to proceed forward.
3: Yeah, uh, I I wonder, you know, I, I wonder kind of like in a, if there is any silver lining out of this, which is really really hard to take out. But maybe this team needed to hit rock bottom or just really get slapped in the face. And mm-hmm. a reason yeah, to I say, wondered about that, like if, if, if it wasn't like against Betis, like oh, where you can just come up after the game and say, well, um, if. Bale doesn't hit the post or if Benzema doesn't miss and you know these chances will come they need maybe something like this to to really Mm. figure it out because if if it's really interesting to see the contrast and the reactions and the players in Zidane it's always so different because Casemiro was like we're worried we played bad we're all worried and then you know Zidane's twist on it is always no we played good we'll be fine (laughs) um but I I'm not Obviously he, he, I would also say that, like I, I think that Zidane's whole
2: thing is to say that and project confidence. So
3: I mean, that's just saying. But I, I, you know, I, my point is like that. The players react the opposite way. Is 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 kind of just telling the fact that they they're obviously aware. Like it's and Zidane's Zidane will say it a certain way because he's always been extremely diplomatic and he won't really dive into tactical details. He never has. Um, he could just completely completely avoid it. But I'm not putting it past him to find a solution because. He surprised us so many times in the past, both tactically but also just going into games and and asserting dominance over a, a team that you know was favored over us. Um, yeah. So maybe this something was needed. Eight points is a lot. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but um, I I would I guess I'd be surprised, but I'd be worried if the team doesn't hit the gear soon that they haven't hit yet.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's very possible that you'll see a, a, a change in attitude from the players. Like some of the players came out saying, "Look, we are extremely disappointed, we're upset." And then they all projected this belief like that yeah, you know, we are going to turn this around. We have the ability to do this. We will do this. And they seemed very kind of united and confident, which is exactly exactly what I want. I want them to be saying, "We're really pissed because we fucked this up and we're going to turn around and and make it better." And I don't really care what Zidane says to the media about how everyone played because he's not Mourinho. He's not going to be like, man, like, you know, Marcelo, not so good. Like really uh, not, not my guy. And then like, start like talking about starting tail or something like that. Like what Mourinho would do. Right. Or Mourinho would go out and like blame the referees for missing the, the whatever. And Zidane is going to go and be like, look, we, you know, I think the team's still good and like project this air of confidence and, I think he that is actually the best way to convince, you know, the the management to chill. You know, (laughs) like that's that's not necessarily for the players. I think we it would be crazy to me to think that there would be a there that's exactly what he's saying to the players. Like, good, good effort, everybody like in the locker room. Right. Because especially if the players are coming out and say, look, we're fucking pissed. We should be pissed and we're going to get better. That's good. And that's probably related to something that Zidane was talking with them about, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah. I I look. That's probably true. I I don't think Zidane is doing that at all. But he, again, he is one of the most like tight, you know, tightly lipped, tightly sealed coaches that I can remember, um, and doesn't give anything away. Cl- keeps his cards like really close to his, you know, close to his hand. So, but again, I don't think it's inconceivable we see him find a solution to all this and. But it is interesting that this is all these problems are new, like all pointed out.
2: I'm sorry, they're all new.
3: Today's problems. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: yeah. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that that's what you said. You didn't say that they aren't new. I (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, these seem like new problems. Um, Okay, so with that, let's um, let's quickly. I just want to quickly note that obviously, um, so obviously, uh, on. I think it was Thursday uh, or maybe Friday. I can't really remember. The Catalan parliament declared independence uh, unilateral from Spain. There've been a whole series of things that have happened. Um, I am doing an interview with my, uh, uh, with Evan and the, our friend Ernesto who Alvarado, who is a lawyer attorney in Paris, who is uh, ex- expert in uh foreign trade, Corrupt practices act, the United States statute. And um is a you know practicing lawyer in in Europe so he uh, you know will come in to talk a little bit about the legal and uh, political ramifications of that stuff on the Leicester football podcast. I'm going to push that interview out to you guys because it's going to have a lot of effect on Real Madrid because we're going to talk about obviously the Catalan independent stuff. We're also going to talk about um, the allegations that or the the new uh, Swiss case against Al Khalifi um, for bribery. That is fascinating. al being the chairman of PSG. Uh, and we're also going to talk about Tebas in the Spanish uh, league, which, um, is fascinating to me. And I think that is undercovered in the international press talking about Spanish league. So all that we're doing our interview tomorrow, actually. Um, and it should be out to you guys on your RSS feeds by tomorrow evening, Eastern time, just FYI. That's why we're not talking about any of that stuff, because I know that is actually something that none of you have heard from us about. And, uh, yeah, we're gonna get to that um, tomorrow. All right, let's get to your questions now. Um, I hope we covered some of them uh, before, and for all the people who ask questions on the Twitter and Facebook, you know, we're probably not gonna get to talk to all of your questions. But the truth is, I- I'm hopeful that we we've answered some of them. So, all right, Sayantan so yeah, Nandi, these are from our patrons. Just to be clear, and if you want to get a guaranteed question every week, you can toss us five bucks on our Patreon. Uh, if you toss one dollar, you'll get access to our. Uh, our patron-only show that we record on Wednesday or Thursday every week. And uh, if you toss us $3, we'll get access to the show and we'll follow you on Twitter <laughs> from the Managing Madrid account. And we'll occasionally retweet you and all that fun stuff. So um, just uh, let us know. Um, toss us a little bit of money. You want to get your questions answered every single week. All right. Sayantan Nandi asks us, with Cristiano Ronaldo misfiring and Bale injured, is there a lack of consistent goal scorers on the team? Um, and... Uh, the, and- So let's just answer that before the second part of this question.
3: Um, Regarding the goal scorers? Oh, the league, Maliga's over.
2: Uh, No, no, let's answer the goal scorers part. We'll answer that one in a sec, because a lot of people are asking us that.
3: Yeah, of course, kind of, yes, the the answer to this question is yes. Murata gave us 14 league goals off the bench last season. Um, James was not a huge goal scorer, but he was a huge contributor, and he was very efficient in the final third. He was huge. And obviously, you know, while a lot of these, you know, in terms like Bale and Hamaz these aren't like direct strikers, they have a huge influence on our success in the final third and, and all that stuff. And, and I, you know, I think yes, you know, the obvious, the the obvious answer is yes, because we have this sample size. We have Cristiano Ronaldo not being himself. Um, Benzema's missed time. And when he, when he has played, he hasn't been a prolific player. Hundred percent. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I think it's not even a, you know that that much of a question. Obviously, there. These are issues. <laughs> um, so, I think the real question. Um, a lot of people are
4: asking. Eight points is La Liga over? Um, I mean, you you got to think that it is. I mean, I, I'm not going to say like. Uh, that's it, like there's zero chance, but there's like a one or two percent chance. I mean, it's worth noting that when we've been eight points down we've we've never done we've never come back to win the league, usually, like Gabe mentioned, that's later in the season, and we're still pretty early on, so our chances are slightly better there. but it's just huge, right? because what we have to do now essentially is just be perfect and and in this league that's constantly improving, and with the issues that we currently have. I just don't know if that's going to be possible. I definitely think we should try. Um, we should fight for every point. We, we shouldn't, and definitely the Real Madrid players in their minds shouldn't think, oh well, it's now over. So let's just, you know, focus on the Champions League. We should we should try to win every single match in La league. I just think even with us trying our hardest, it's going to take something extraordinarily extraordinarily bad on Barcelona's end for us to win it. So yeah, in my mind. Um, I, I'm starting to accept that we're probably not going to have the La Liga trophy um, in our in our cabinet this year. But I'm open. I'm open to being completely wrong here.
3: How many points back were we when Zidane took over in his first year? Ten. Ten. He yeah, came within one, I think, right? Yeah, and Italy. that was
4: that was a result of an extraordinary collapse from Barcelona. So let's let's and hope that, that happens. That Barça
3: team true. was better than this year's Barça team. Yeah. Yep.
4: Yeah. Another crucial point. <laughs>
3: But you know, let's just not even entertain that idea. Let's just keep our expectations low.
2: Yeah, I, I would, and, and understand that there are a lot of other factors. I just, I, I mean, look, there are a lot of factors. This Barcelona team is arguably overperforming. Like it, it is. This is argu- one of the best starts from the history of the league for Barcelona. Yeah, they it, dropped two points. So like, they if this is this team that that uh, is as noticeably and uncontroversially worse than it was last year. Suddenly, you know, going and being perfect. Is that a result of them being better? No. So like there's, there is some other stuff going on here, but, and, and so you would expect some of that form to even out, but even if it evens out as part of the issues, is even if it evens out, and even if Madrid's form improves over the course of the season, it's not obviously enough to get back to where we were, but Again, I wouldn't rule it out. And I, I, I think it's more likely um, than a lot of the people who are just giving up. But that's incredibly low bar. <laughs> so, um, all right. Anton Hackberg wants us to uh, talk a little about Casemiro. So uh, was I mistaken or did it look like Casemiro faked getting knocked out? Um, <laughs> no, I don't think he faked getting knocked out, dude. I think he actually got smacked in the face by that dude's elbow. Like, that was a really – he took a knock. and Wait, if you when
3: was it, this? I can't I, I don't, remember this, to be honest. Yeah. This is in the
2: second half towards the middle part of the second half. Um, he just got – he ran – he um, got rammed. I mean, he rammed into some guy and his, his elbow or his uh, his shoulder went into Casimiro's face. And, like, it wasn't intentional and it was just a tough collision. But if you look at, like, American football – you always tell people to tackle with your shoulders because it's the hardest place to hit someone with <laughs> when they're running at them. And, like, the, he took a really hard knock. That's why he was on the ground. I don't know if he pretended to be knocked out while he was there if he was genuinely just dazed. So I, I mean, it almost doesn't matter.
4: I, I, I don't remember this at all, but I just assume that Casemiro, of all people, wouldn't fake it because he's one of the toughest guys on the squad. And he prides himself in physically dominating opponents. So... I, I just don't think it's in his character to do that.
3: And were, yeah, we, I agree. were um, we losing at that point? I probably was probably writing my reaction or something. But if we were losing or tied, then there's another uh, devil's advocate of him not faking it just to get on with the game.
2: Yeah, yeah certainly. Um, let's see.
4: Chris Bro McCormick. Uh, can we all agree this is Ohm's fault? Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I, so what I think he's referring to here is because I, I think he tweeted at me um, because I, I said like in the 91st minute or whatever, now would be a really good time for Sergio Ramos to start scoring from head, start scoring from set pieces again, and everyone was like, oh, this is your fault because last year I wrote an article titled "Deciphering the Secrets Behind Sergio Ramos's Set Piece Wizardry." And since then, he hasn't scored a single goal from a set piece. So obviously, that's just a coincidence. But then people have been having a lot of fun with me saying that, oh, I gave up all um, Ramos's secrets, and now teams know how to stop him. And that's why he hasn't scored from a set <laughs> we, piece. We
3: got so much shit on our Facebook page, and that one guy who, who was upset that we kept revealing our tactics. Oh, you. yeah, that guy was I fucking was love that. I that, think guy that guy rules. Maybe he was right in hindsight. <laughs>
2: that guy rules. Yeah, he know that that guy was first of all totally right and also if he is still around like come on like let us know what you think about where we are now because I've been hearing all the time from the Benzema can't score a goal guy like constantly the dude is emailing me all the time I don't know how to block someone on email so I just keep getting them and like I still think they're really funny but like and like he but and like now that he found out that I have like a public email address like I'm just getting hammered with it and like I, I should have blocked him on Twitter by now also, but I didn't because, again, like, he, he's actually pretty funny. And, like – but, yeah, like, I'm into it. So if you're listening to this podcast, Ben's about Can't Score a Goal Guy, I don't think you speak English very well. But if you do, <laughs> like, you can come on the show. Like, I want to talk to you because, like, I think I think you're uh, – you you care a lot and, like, that's admirable. And, like – the guy who was pissed off about Ohm revealing the team's secrets, you're also invited because I'm interested in where you get the belief that we can affect team policy. <laughs> uh, all right, is the diamond finished, Ohm?
4: Okay, so I've been critical of it since the beginning um, because I thought, well, it doesn't really suit our personnel, right? Because what you want is two box-to-box midfielders who can effectively shuttle from flank to flank and defend um, the the wings. And I was surprised with uh, how Kroos and Modric handled it, and I was also surprised with how team, how ineffective teams were at exploiting our lack of horizontal compactness within that formation. And you know they sort of did, and, and we looked slightly defensively weaker than we did in the four three three. But Isco was just thriving in that attacking midfield role, and we designed that formation for him once Bale went down, and we just overpowered opponents all the way through to the final. And then this season we went back to it because Bale went down, right? And I just think teams are, they finally started to figure it out. Against Tottenham, they were very effective at moving the ball to the wings and countering down um, countering down those sides, and we really saw it here. There was a clear game plan from Hirona to shift the ball from side to side and try to attack those spaces and isolate our fullbacks one versus one because they saw that there were gaps there. And couple that with our lethargic performance, you know, our disorganization, you know, players were not in the right right positions a lot of the time, you know, it was a recipe for disaster. So I think playing this diamond perfectly probably wouldn't have resulted in being exposed that much, but I do think it's time to move on because teams have figured it out. And, you know, that's just how football is. You know, if you play a yeah. formation that plays to certain strengths and exposes certain weaknesses, eventually teams will figure it out, and we just got to keep evolving. So it was really good for us. It won us the Champions League. It won us a La the title, but we got to move, move on. Or, and,
2: move it around, yeah. too. And when Bale comes back, it'll be helpful to, to maybe transition back to a four-three-three occasionally, too. So um, Rami Nag- Ramin Nagui asks us, um, and if that's, again, if again, if I'm mispronouncing your name, just let us know. Um, I like Lucas, but he really should not be ahead of Ceballos in the rotation. By the way, do you think Valencia can win the league? Um, So we already discussed the Lucas-Ceballos thing. I think we all agree that Ceballos is, adds a real important addition to the squad that Zidane hasn't really been taking advantage of as, in, as much as any of us think. In terms of Valencia, I don't know. Keon. what do you
3: think? Uh, This is a stretch. It's a big stretch. I but, you know, my prediction before the season was they'd make Europe. Um, for sure, they're going to make Europe now and, and probably make the Champions League. Because I really think they're legit. And Marcelino's done an amazing job. And they're deep. Like, it, you know, they can sustain this because they're actually pretty deep. Um, you know, they're able to give uh, Padre a rest if they wanted to. You know, they have, they have pretty d- good wingers off the bench. And... Uh, for them to win the league, they would need Barca to stop dropping points. They would need Real Madrid to, to effectively just not catch up, and Atlético to keep playing bad. It would it would take a huge, huge effort to for them to win the league. But I'm going to say no. They can, of course, they won. they can, but I don't think they will.
2: I agree. Oh.
4: Yeah, yeah, I All agree right. with everything Keon said.
2: All right, Nate McDougall. Um, so Nate hates to say it, but La Liga is over which really sucks because since 2004-2005, Barca have won eight La Liga's and Real Madrid has only managed four. With this Liga, they will have more than double our domestic trophies in this time span. I love dominating Europe, don't get me wrong, but it's really annoying watching your greatest rival dominate you domestically. Yes, that is annoying. I mean, it, fucking, <laughs> it is fucking, no, it's it's infuriating and annoying and these players don't seem to give a shit about it as much as, as the Barca players do, and, and that's infuriating and that sucks. And you know what else sucks is listening to so much of the Barca fan base complain all the time about how the La Liga the referees in La Liga are screwing them over <laughs> and how they're for Real Madrid when you actually look at the results and you look at all of the numbers about that and you sh- you can basically statistically prove that it's exactly the fucking opposite so just don't give me any of that bullshit it's like it's so stupid and like Yeah, obviously. Sorry, and I know that's off track, but I saw another thing today posted on a Barcelona website uh, about how like Barcelona should go to France if uh, Catalonia, if if La Liga kicks them out, which they won't, but they should they should go to France. Because the referees will be better and will be less biased. Can you imagine the fucking bullshit that goes into thinking that? God well, damn it!
4: Wasn't wasn't the second goal for Hirona a little bit offside? Yes, it was offside. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, case. I, I, I mean, that's that's our argument right there to to that whole to that whole article. or are so
2: tired of that shit,
3: dude. No, it's no, so, we have uh, like a three hundred year sample size. That- the is that La Liga referees are just bad, non favor anyone. They're just bad. bad, to bad. To They're bad for every it. single team. Every single team in La Liga gets screwed every single match day. This, these guys talk the it about
2: it like the La Liga referees like get like Tebas like walks up to them with this huge bag of cash with like a dollar sign on it and is like make sure that you call like uh, an unfair offside anytime like Messi gets the ball with a chance to score. It's like such. It's just absolutely nonsense. So, all right, sorry. Uh, off topic, Z dos Santos um, wants us to, uh, you know, uh, talk a little about this match. So, what happened in this game? I know it's too early to consider removing Zidane, but surely something, something has to change. So, this, um, what happened in this game? Well, we talked about that already. <laughs> uh, it's too early to consider removing Zidane. Yes, it is. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> That's all I have to answer. I don't have anything else to say.
4: I mean. I think I think it's kind of asking for solutions right and we kind of discussed that yeah,
2: yeah we yeah, don't yeah.
4: we deal. don't really know um, I mean I guess it's just going back to the basics right Zidane like looking at his tactical plan and saying well we need to be more disciplined we need to be more structured and the players themselves being more motivated yeah. to win games which I think is going to happen now
2: yeah, and maybe I mean like, literally maybe bringing in some of some players like Ceballos or even Teo occasionally, uh, or a little bit more, just because like they didn't win La Liga last year or in the Champions League last year, they you know didn't. They mm. may feel a little bit more hungry, and if you start incorporating them into the rotation a little bit more, maybe they'll push some of the players that that feel like their position is untouchable to give more of a shit about the games against the bottom half of the table side that actually is much better than anyone has been suggesting. Like, this Hirona side is much better than their record suggested going into this match. So, like,
3: yeah. Anyways, yeah. that's and that's
2: one easy solution or suggestion.
3: I still don't think this team is that far away from, from clicking into here. Like, to be honest, I... I, I agree know, with that. I know, it's been, I know it was... Today, it just really should hit the fan, but... And it kind of just... It got worse and worse, and then today was, like, rock bottom. But basically... You know, and then the, there was a question earlier about the diamond. I also don't... I'm not necessarily giving up on that either. You know, I was really skeptical about it, if it would work, um, when we first implemented it towards the tail end of last season. And I quickly realized, like Om said, it, it brings the best out of Isco. But the fact that you have Modric and Cruz, um, like two brainiacs, and then you throw Isco just roaming and roaming, helping everybody, whether it's providing an outlet for the wing backs or... You know, playing, giving Modric and Kroos an extra person to play with in the midfield, and the interchangeability of Kroos and Casemiro and Modric, I you know all of that just like surprised me. I was like, wow, this this is really this is really fun to watch and like really hard to stop. Uh, the overlapping runs in the fullbacks. There was just so many ways that Real Madrid could have hurt you in that scheme. And I don't think it. I'm not necessarily giving up on it. I think a lot of the issues were, a lot of them were just mental miscues. And yeah. and it's not like it needs a complete tactical overhaul. I do agree with the idea that um, what Gabe just said about bringing in players like Sabayos more. Like if, if we don't have Hamas and Morata, we need to find those two players. Um, and Lucas
2: Vázquez does not seem to Yeah, be, and, and be maybe it.
3: just not try the same thing that never works. Like every day like just just let
2: see if you can out, develop into a try fantasy. out yeah try something else um all right jimmy obeyed um i think he's gonna speak for a lot of us this has legitimately been the worst day of the year for me that sucks dude i'm sorry like i like i know like that i'm sure there's gotta be some other stuff because like obviously this game sucked but you know you have all the other stuff i'm sure sucks too and like uh we're sorry buddy like that's that's that sucks so i mean we're here for you um to talk And obviously we're all in a bad mood also, so um, have some scotch, talk to your buddies, watch a funny movie. I know we're not finished yet, but unless we go on a win streak from now to the end of the season, I don't see us winning the league. What do you guys think? Is this also going to affect our Champions League campaign and mentality? Um, We already talked about the Liga, so is this going to affect our Champions League campaign? I mean, (laughs) I think it's very possible that Madrid will go out in the next match and be really, really bad. But I think it's more likely, Jimmy, for what it's worth, that Madrid go out in this next match at Wembley and kick a bunch of ass. Like, I think that's very possible. Yeah. Um, just because, like, the way the team was talking after this match, you could tell that they were in no no state <laughs> to, to uh, take any shit. So we'll see. This is um, kind of
3: connected to the earlier question, too, about um, why does Barcelona have way more La Liga titles than Real Madrid in the past? decade or so, dozen years Um, and I think the answer is essentially that Real Madrid are better in big games than they are consistently over the course of the season and that is like historically backed up, so like yeah it might affect our performance in Champions League but historically it hasn't, Real Madrid once finished 5th in La Liga and won the Champions League (laughs) they they had like they never ever win the double when they win the Champions League too, so it hasn't in the past so
4: yeah, I mean it's just, we seem like a different team in the Champions League. Not just in the past, but we've seen it this season. I think Ronaldo has five goals in three games. And, it you know, every, every all the problems that we had in the league just didn't seem to appear in the Champions League, aside from a couple of tactical things. It's like, we're just a different team there. And we, we we've approached that, you know, we've been more clinical. We've created just as many chances. We've defended better. So I would be surprised if we underperform in that game because of our La Liga results.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. All right. Um, Semra uh, wants us to uh, talk about injuries. That's a good point. We haven't talked about this enough. Um, out of all the players out injured, who is the one that is desperately needed at this point? Um, Carvajal. Carvajal. Uh, I mean, look. I think Carvajal Bale is obviously in, incredibly yeah. important for this team. Yeah. So Carvajal and Bale are, are, are the two obvious, and that's and the reason that they're. I mean, like, <laughs> is because they both would be starting <laughs> in this match. Like, Ashraf, did it's just not at the level, right? So. Carvajal is the obvious one because Madrid is starting not just a lower-than-world-class player, but, like, about a league-average player right back. Obviously, he can be better, and he's getting better, and it's amazing that he's league-average at right back at 18 years old. But fundamentally, like, we're talking about right-now results, and right now, Ashraf is a guy who was just playing last season in Segunda Bay. So, like, yeah. Carvajal is the obvious answer.
3: The drop-off from Carvajal to Ashraf is way more than from Bale to, like, Isco or ben- Benzema. Um, right you know, Kovacic is another one that it would it would've obviously been really nice to have around, but I think the 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 thing with that one is that once Kovacic comes back you almost get the feeling Ceballos will just be pushed back even farther. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know what happens there.
2: I don't know. We'll see when I mean that's again a good problem to have. I'm a little annoyed that Zidane has again favored Lucas Vázquez over Ceballos. It's it's infuriating and incomprehensible, but well, lot he lot has. People, so. A
3: lot of people think that just because of the different positions, but I really think Sabayos yeah. is versatile enough that he yeah. can roam through yeah. multiple yep. channels and, and help defensively and do all well, hopefully so, he'll show it. Future. I mean,
2: he's been, he's been really towards the top of the players when he started. I mean, like obviously in the, his Liga match where he bagged two goals and then against guess when I thought he was probably the best player on the pitch. So, you know, we'll see. Um, Nick Di uh, all right, this is a good question. I don't know when the time to freak out officially begins, but I'm worried. 19 goals through 10 league games is below our standard. Is this a coaching problem? Just my opinion, but Vazquez cannot continue to get opportunities over Ceballos. Yeah, we all agree. Also worried about Cristiano. What is going on? Um, also, all due respect to Girona, they were fantastic. What does this team need? Um, so I think we've answered two out of these three questions. Um, let's, uh, let's quickly mention, um, so is this a coaching problem? uh om
4: i mean i i never want to bring it down to one thing right because like i feel like in the multitude of factors that have affected us if one of them is different we're okay i think to a certain extent it is because it's Sidon's job to keep these boys motivated and as sharp as they were previously and i don't know if he's been as effective in doing that this season and also obviously like today um From what I saw, there were there were some tactical problems, and then in the previous league match, you know, he had issues with um, making this team too fluid, and you know, he was trying to figure out how how he should structure his team. So we kind of seem to be in a weird time of tactical transition where Zidane's kind of trying to move to something else, and he's not really achieving that um, at the best. um, Achieving that the best at the moment. I and mean, I'm speaking in like a philosophical sense, not necessarily in like a formational sense. So, yeah, I think there's a little bit on Zidane's shoulders. But like I said, there's a lot of factors that play into it. And I don't want to give the impression that it's, yeah. it's all on Zidane. No. It's almost
3: like no. 50-50 to me because is it Zidane's fault that Real Madrid um, sometimes just don't look prepared or motivated? Sure, is it Zidane's fault? you know, that he continually does make weird subs that don't really influence the game in a positive way, sure. Is it the players' fault that, you know... Is it, or is it Zidane's fault that a lot of players have hit the post this season and and dropped points and missing chances and open nets? Is it Zidane's fault that nobody picked up Maffeo? A, like a very clear, instinctive thing that players should just recognize in the moment, you know, leading up to the second goal. I don't know, this is, to me, there's an elephant in the room. It's that over the past two seasons, Kroos has this weird kink where he jogs back in like every defensive <laughs> transition. I don't know if it's by design where Zidane says so just conserve energy and just act as an outlet once any you know to start the counter, but this is something that Kroos does. Like He can go back to every game and you can see it. He just jogs back when they're outnumbered in defense. I don't know what it is, but... It's something that hurt us today. Uh, like, yeah, I, I mean,
4: you and I have, I think, talked about this before on previous podcasts where Kroos doesn't necessarily hurry back. And um, going on a slight, going back to Zidane, I think something he can definitely change. Um, when Nick asked, "What does this team need?" I think we need to start respecting um, La Liga sides that are lower down the table and that La Liga sides that. We think aren't necessarily as good as us because hell yeah
2: hell yeah yeah
4: yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. we've <laughs> like, yeah cause, hell yeah i totally agree with that because we've seen like because last season our problem wasn't against the big sides right it was against the mid-table to teams lower down the table and it was because like you you would look at zidane and be like whoa dude you just put in this beautiful like tactical performance versus sevilla or atletico madrid or bayern and then what the hell is going on here, right? Like I think Zidane needs to take that same level of application and apply those level of tactics to these lower lower level yeah. teams. Because sure, yeah. we're more talented and you know, that could be a reason we win. But why take that risk? I, I don't see I don't see the reason for why, like, we can't take what we did against Barcelona in the super cup, which was just a superb performance from Zidane's end, and do it here. Because it, you compare the two tactical performance, they just aren't on the same level and they don't need to be perfectly on the same level, but it shouldn't be that big of a drop off. Like we need to start respecting um, lower opposition because they can beat us if we're not on the top of our game.
2: Yeah, totally. All right, guys. So sorry that, that um, uh, <laughs> took, I mean, like this has been a, da- like we're in a bad mood. This is a down episode. Um, I hope you guys took some, you know, comfort from hearing us all kind of, reminisce and talk a little bit about this stuff and because like the truth is that you know it sucks and it sucked today to to watch the side lose to a team that they shouldn't lose to and but you know um we chug on this is october still um and there's a lot more soccer and a lot more um a lot more real madrid to watch this season and a lot more exciting things will happen so you know don't despair. <laughs> I know. I've been saying, like, people making these jokes, man. Like, chill. It's going to be okay. Like, even if this isn't a great season, like, this team is still really good, and everything's going to be all right. <laughs> I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise. Patron all right,
3: guys. Um, Patreon shout Let's do it. Patreon.com slash Madrid. As you all know, you can get all kinds of cool rewards beyond the ones that Gabe already mentioned. There's a bunch of other ones, too. So, check it out and join our army and... One of the rewards, if you pledge $10 or more, you get a specific shout-out on the podcast. So, shout-out to all of our amazing podcast uh, patrons, and shout-out to these patrons specifically who do pledge $10 or more. Okay, you ready? I'm going to need to put an oxygen mask on for this soon. Um, <laughs> Nick Stefane, <laughs> Frederick Sundros, Doug Chisholm, Leon Stavernakis, Bjorn Salvador, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Babik Shah. Sergio Monleon, Red Bat, Anthony Vasquez, Yahya Ibrahim, Kenny Gulsler, Guled Ishmael, Nick, Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Stephen Mendes, Andrew Gomez, Anton Hackberg, Jimmy Obade, Daniel Smith. All right. woo! Legends.
2: Thank you all so much. This is uh, only possible because of you guys. Thank you. Um, all right. So we will be back um, on... Uh, Obviously, uh, for the midweek show, um, so toss us a couple of bucks if you want to listen to that. We'll be probably breaking down the Spurs game. Um, obviously, I already mentioned the uh, Ernesto interview that I'm going to be pass- pushing out to the RSS feed. Check that out. I think it'll be really interesting. Um, uh, do you guys have anything else? Obviously, like check out Ohm's uh, article <laughs> breaking down this game if you can stomach reliving it. Um, <laughs> it'll be on Outside of the Boot. And then, um, Kian, do we have any important, you know, things that we're, we're, we're doing this week on Managing Madrid.
3: Yeah. Um, y Tactica's podcast going up tomorrow with Diego. He'll probably shed some light on the whole Catalonia thing too, in conjunction to your RSS speed upload, but also I'll be doing a mailbag this week. Um, and if you're a patron, you're going to get prioritized your questions. So send me a message on, there's a post on Patreon on our page. Um, asking for mailbag questions if you have
2: any, so check it out. All right, um, good talk to you both. We'll talk to you on um, midweek show. Um, and until then,
1: Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime.